Welcome back to the Always Aggressive Podcast. Corey Palm Tanner lifts it. Head coach Tony Ersland, uh, we got a lot of off-season stuff to talk about, boys. We're there is no off-season. The end of the semester uh, and and all the academic stuff. That we'll leave that to the guys. And thankfully, we don't have to go to class right now, right, T? Um, Amen. I'll take it. One place we are going though is uh, uh, Las Vegas this week. The uh, U20s out in Vegas, uh, it, along with the U.S. Open, Coach. I know we're taking a, a contingent of guys out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the group that's going to going to go compete in Vegas. Yeah, several freshmen. I mean, between two fresh, you know, redshirt freshmen and, and true freshmen. Man, it's a good group. Five kids. Uh, competing out there, all in the U-20 division, which, as we were just discussing, is big. I think, Tanner, did you say is up 200, uh, n- you know, numbers-wise from what I it was thought, last year? I, I don't want to screw this up, but I, I believe I read almost 800 kids in the U-20s, and it's up it's up over 200 from last year's entries. So a uh, huge increase in participation. Um, there's an, There's been an increase at all three levels, uh, the open U-20s and U-17s, but um, U-20s is a massive increase. No, absolutely. Going to be very competitive. You know, and if you look, like I said, uh, a mix of redshirt freshmen and true freshmen, you have guys like Jacob McAtange, uh going Cade Law, uh, Brody Bowman, Stoney Buell, and uh, Tristan Ruhlman. Uh, is rounding out our group all in the U20 freestyle division. So, yeah, another great opportunity to compete. Some of those guys competed a lot in our lineup, and some guys were red-shirted and, and you know, be first time out in a while. So uh, going to be a lot of fun regardless. It's really interesting. The U20 division is always fascinating to me because you have this crazy mix of old high school kids and young college kids. And so there's, you know, there's all these, uh, you know, blue chip caliber recruits who are, you know, going into their freshman year of college. They haven't, they haven't competed at that level yet. And then you've got some guys that, you know, have a year under their belt. Then you have some real youngins like, you know, like Stoney and Tristan who have two years under their belt. Um, but they're just, they're super young for their grade. And so they're, they're still able to compete at that level. So, um, I'm always, I was going through some of the different fields today and looking at names and I, I find the uh, I find the mesh of those three kind of like those three years uh, really interesting. Yeah, no, it, like I said, and it all boils down to a very tough event and uh, fun for us to see the improvements. And we were just talking. We went out for coffee after practice this morning and got a chance to talk about how everybody looked and kind of where they're showing improvement, you know, as far as getting to their attacks and finishes and things like that. So just another opportunity to, A, compete, for all of your hard work, right? That's the most fun is getting a chance to compete and B, just see where there's progress, you know, where there's progress. And then also what do we really want to focus on this summer with each of those guys? So again, a lot of fun. Competing is always a reward for the hard work you put in, but then also, Hey, this is where we need to be and it's going to be good competition. So it will highlight where we need to improve over the summer. I wouldn't want to to put together the bracket with that many guys. I can tell you that much. No, No, thank you. Yeah. And, and that'll be a, a deal right out of the gate. Right. I mean, they'll use some separation criteria, but they don't seed it, you know, all the way out. It's going to be a lot of good people uh, meeting early in that tournament. Yeah. I was specifically looking at uh, the 61 kilo bracket for U twenties is pretty loaded. There's almost a hundred kids in the bracket. And uh, you know, obviously our, our Jacob Makatange is in there, but there is a, uh, there's a murderer's row of kids. Like I said, both, 
both outstanding high school kids and uh, some 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 good young studs from the college ranks that will be uh, looking for the top eight at that way. There's gonna be a lot of really good kids that do not place at yep. 61 kilos. No, absolutely right. I thought the other one that was um, <clears throat> the other one that was particularly interesting to me was uh, Stony at 74 kilos, Coach. I thought that was a bracket where I feel like he um, he's got a decent shot to make some noise. Yeah, and Stony has the freestyle pedigree too, right? Like when you know he's got good skill sets, right? He's got the mean head pinch, he's got the gut, like he's got some very good skill sets for freestyle. But he also has that pedigree, right? Being a cadet national champ at a, at a young age, mm-hmm. so I think you know he he will be pretty uh, formidable, you know, uh, as a as a guy in that bracket. We look again. I look forward to watching him compete because he had to do a lot of growing up and a lot of learning. You know, being in the lineup first time this year uh, made. Um, some some key improvements like you know when we were talking this morning he's a guy who is now getting to the leg much cleaner than he was during the year i mean when he gets there he's in strong position to finish so excited again for that guy and see you know how he's going to do you know because he he works hard right he's putting in the work and, and he's in shape i think he's done a really good job with his weight again 74 kilo a little bit lighter than where he competed at you know this year at 165 which i think is going to be a big positive for him Coach, I had a question. You've you've sort of talked a, around this this issue a couple times already. Um, it is a it is a freestyle tournament, and you know once we once we get outside of collegiate wrestling, it's freestyle or Greco Roman, and it's just a very different. I mean, there's a lot of similar similar traits, but it's a very different sport than than folks. They style. are 100 percent different sports, buddy. You said it right. How can you how can you tell what what do you look for? In, in what the guys are going to do, you know, the last month in training for this, this weekend and in their performance this weekend, what, what sort of things are you looking for? It's like, okay, we're progressing where we want to be come next fall. Yeah. You know, and, and most of that is just the, the mindset of uh, creating exposure. Right. And I've said this often, but if you look at the two sports, um, freestyle and, and folk style, like folk style is built around control and, and you don't need control to score points at all in freestyle. And so it's just shifting your mindset as well as having some skill sets that you just you can score without controlling your opponent. You're not looking to control. I just want to expose them, whether it was feet to back or down in the parterre position. And, and so when I say, you know, Stoney has some skill sets that that's true. Like he's not always looking to control you. He just he knows how to play the game right in any game you play. There's tactical, uh, you know, techniques that are that are come into play and Stoney has a strong grasp and a sense of what he can do to be successful in that sport. And so, yeah, I think everybody has to figure out where they sit within the skill sets where they can be successful. And that's not the same. You know, sometimes you can shoot yourself out of a match. I was just, you know, Brody Bowman, uh, an attacker, right? An athletic, a kid, you know, who wants to get to the legs. But sometimes you can attack so much, you put yourself in, you know, I I say chase yourself into quicksand. Like you can shoot to your knees, get stuck, and now you're in those chest wrap, head pinches, you know. Go back and watch how Matt Ramos, uh, you know, beat Spencer Lee with the the head pinch and thread the arm. You know, like you can chase yourself into some pretty sticky situations. And so I had a long conversation with Brody about that today. Like attacking isn't always better in certain situations. You can actually put yourself in a lot of trouble. So understanding, you know, um, how you can be hurt in certain positions. You know, there's a learning curve there. And I think, like I said, Stoney's 
had success at that level and I think has a really good grasp of what he wants to do when he's out there competing in, in freestyle. I've heard this explanation a few times, Corey, and uh, I'm not ashamed to say that after 17 years around the sport, I still don't have a full grasp on freestyle. It still, it still leaves me with some very confused moments. So um, very excited that I get the chance to go watch again this weekend and, and, try to learn more and you know i don't have any hair to pull out anymore so i'm, I'm good there <laughs> but um yeah well, i know i know one one topic of discussion uh, sort of on the fringes of of this topic it, um some proposed rule changes we're going to get to that in a little bit we're going to we're going yeah, to go there yeah, yeah. Man. but but there is some concern or maybe some maybe not concerns the right word but uh there's some viewpoints out there that with some of these rule changes, folk style is, is, is getting closer to freestyle with some of the things, like I said, we'll talk about those yeah. in a bit. Uh, bef before we get away from Vegas, the U S open uh, will also be out there uh, the senior level event. And I mean, I was looking at just the entry list the other day. It, it may be one of the best tournaments in American wrestling history. The depth of <laughs> every weight class is just unbelievable. Very deep. No doubt. Very, very deep. And uh, as we said before we got on air, you know, the qualification process has changed a little bit, you know, with, with a lot of world medalists coming back um, for the, you know, for final X. So now those guys have to go uh, to, uh, to the open, you know, there's no, Hey, I'm already qualified for the trials. So you get into that small mini bracket and then wrestle. There's, no there bracket, right? huh? there's, no, there's no mini bracket, right? This is the mini bracket. This is it. So the winners, well, at, at those weights, right. Where you have a returning world medalist, which is a lot of the weights, mm -hmm. you know, the winner of the open goes straight into wrestle, like say, you know, 74 kilo or 79 kilo Jer Jordan Burroughs winner, 79 kilos uh, at the open goes and faces uh, Burroughs for two out of three. Yeah, that's right. And that's the case at a lot of weights, um, where, again, where you have those returning, uh, you know, world medalists. So, you know, this year it was, hey, you had to be at the Open. In past years, that wasn't the case. And it could, you know, lead to a field that's not quite as deep. Um, but that's not the case this year. It's going to roll very deep and it's going to be a lot of good people. You know, several NCAA champs in a bracket, lots of All-Americans when you just talk folk style in that bracket. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, lots of looking forward to seeing that. Um, you know, we talked even <clears throat> there's some brackets at U17s that, you know, some of those young kids that are going to be incredibly deep that we're looking forward to, to getting to watch and, and see how see, see what they shake out like. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's a lot of fun for us, right? As much as we're going to be out there coaching our own guys, right, and, you know, keeping track of five of them, um, we're going to be watching a lot of these uh, young kids at U-17s and how they perform, looking for the next Boilermaker, you know, of the future. And so we will be busy, you know, double duty, I guess, between both recruiting and, and coaching our guys. You never stop working, do you? No. And, you know, and, and the funny thing is, right, the transfer portals made that yep. uh, the same way, you know, as far as the collegiate guys go. You know, you just it used to be a slower time now. Right. It was always busy because of getting these young guys ready uh, for the open or the, uh, the you know, the U-20s. Mm -hmm. But, man, I tell you now that the portal's going, I mean, you're as busy as ever. You know, you guys know we've hosted visits several weekends since since the, the NCAA championships. So it's uh, it's really cranked up and running as hot and hard as, as ever right now. 
we are hoping to uh, we are hoping to get a break though. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, we can't we can't talk too much in specifics, but uh, pretty crazy. Feel like we're getting close to the end of of the the twenty four class that can't even sign until November. That's nuts. Yes, isn't that wild? I mean, we're recruiting the portal hard. I just think you have to. And there's a lot, you know, noticeable uptick in Very quality busy. in there this year. Yeah. Right. So you have to. You can't ignore what that is. And then you're also always looking to the future, right? And so we've, we've, uh, we're still adding to our fall class. I think we're at around ten right now. I think we're we're planning on getting another commit here in the next day or two as well. It, and I'll knock on wood. Don't jinx it. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, you're as busy as ever trying to bring in the class for the fall, but we're still way ahead on where we're at for that 24 class, too. It's literally you get another commit or two there, and you're, you're, you're done till 25. It's, it's a different feeling from maybe where I've been most of my career, you know, in terms of, you know, recruiting uh, seniors where you, you got them on campus in August, September, and they commit and decide, you know, in November. Those days are gone. For, forgive you know? my ignorance. Were there were there changes in yes. in the recruiting process, or or is that is that why it's so accelerated? Yeah, rising okay. juniors um, are now uh, able to be contacted June fifteenth. Okay, right. Okay. And so while we're prohibited from naming names, mm -hmm. you know, you can bet that uh, even though we're having our weekly staff meetings like we always do, uh, boy, the, a big. Uh, concern or part of that puzzle is looking at all of the class of 25 and who you're getting ready come June 15 to get to get going on I mean, you know and you're already going on them in certain ways right within the rules like you need to you know questionnaires and uh, you know obtain the information you need so that you can really hit the ground running yeah the uh the fact that <clears throat> the fact that we're going to contact 2025s in a little under two months uh, seems a little crazy on, on one hand, but on the other hand, Corey, I mean, we've got spreadsheets that have, you know, the next two, three, four classes and the lineup mm -hmm. and who's going to be in school and what year they're going to be in. Like you stop, you stop looking at the future and you, you take a, you take a break and you, you fall behind pretty quickly. Well, the other thing that's, it's really unique to this particular moment is, you know, they, they, they lighten the, the, uh, the restrictions on, when you can contact guys, so that's that's accelerated. Um, the transfer portal is is new-ish, but it's super super active right now, and and a lot of that has to do with guys who have graduated at their at their initial institution, but they've got an extra year, maybe they've got an extra two because of the COVID uh, waiver, yeah. and and it's just it's there's so many different ways to attack to uh, to you know, attack your roster and, and how to put it together. Do you sit down? Did you sit down as a staff and, and choose a way like, or, or is it gotta be a case by case guy by guy need basis? Yeah, I think it's more of a case by case and, and looking at your needs basis for me. I, I don't think you can build the culture of your team through the portal. I still don't believe that. Um, but definitely, right, you can't ignore the fact that um, there are going to be great kids in there looking for homes. Maybe the fit was wrong or they were behind a guy and they just want an opportunity. So you have to evaluate that. Um, I, like I said, my personal philosophy, I, I'm not saying every year you're going to go in and find five or six guys to build your team. I just don't think you can do that from a culture perspective. 
but I think we all feel like our culture here at Purdue is really strong. We have a good base group. So when you add guys to that, it's a great fit. And, and clearly Matt Ramos, who was just looking for a better fit, is proof of that. He's mm-hmm. found a, a home here and and loves it and is, you know, reaching his, his, his goals. So, again, if you use it in that way, I'm all for it. Um, but like anything, you can misuse it, right? And I think that's – if you look at uh, – name, image, likeness, and the portal, it can be abused in ways that are very negative. And so you got to be careful with that. And that's why I tell you, to me, it's a case-by-case uh, basis. Okay. I think uh, I'm curious to hear kind of your guys' take on this, but I, I really believe that, um, you know, you people have things to say about NIL and people think have things to say about the transfer portal. Um, but I feel like the, the perfect storm of – the, these kids with the extra year for COVID, in addition to the transfer portal, in addition to some of these new loose rules surrounding NIL, has uh, and it's not just wrestling. This is this is something that's permeated all of college athletics. I was talking about it with a bunch of buddies the other night about how like any of one of these things on their own may have not shaken things up as much. But the combination of all three of them is just wrecking havoc on mm-hmm. college athletics. Yep. Yep. Question. Everybody just agrees. I like it. That's perfect. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. I mean, I got nothing else to. Res- I'm, I'm going to give you a yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes, yes. It, it's crazy, and um, I'm I'm hoping that things calm down after you get past the the COVID year, right? Because what that has created is these kids. Uh, have graduated at their institutions. They got another year so they can go. Like, is that going to continue to be a thing, you know, for us? Uh, I hope not, right? Like, for for anybody, you, you want – I certainly want kids to find homes that they're comfortable and they feel good about. Like, that that that's the right reason, you know, for kids to transfer. But the, the wrong reasons, right, is just, hey, let's just go find a bag of money, in my opinion. And I'm all for opportunity, again, like – you know, you want to use your name, image, and likeness, that should be allowed. Mm-hmm. I got zero issue with what the original intent was, okay, to help kids in those ways. But to have people calling and poaching kids off rosters and saying, hey, get in the portal, I got a bag for you, right? That's I don't think anybody feels good about that. And I think those are the situations where it's getting misused, where we all start to cringe. You know, okay, he's he's graduated, go, go hit him up on the roster and, and throw some money at him. Well, that, that makes me nervous um, from a, a sports standpoint. The other thing that you hate to see, and there have already been a couple pretty high-profile high cases of this, is, you know, maybe uh, maybe the school gets on and, and offers X and then delivers X or like 30% of X, you know, to, to that student-athlete, and, and all of a sudden they, they made a choice that was financially based that uh, didn't deliver. And yeah, yeah. The stories out there about people not coming through on NIL deals is crazy. And and I can't. I mean, there's gonna there's gonna come a point in time where I think some some high profile deals that that fall short get blown up, and and some coaches or some some programs uh, sort of face the public wrath on that. I, I think that's that's not too hard to imagine. 
I definitely think that's going to happen, right? I think uh, I don't want it to happen in wrestling, uh, right? Because you don't want your sport hurt, right? And that's where I land is you don't want a negative light in your sport because of somebody's abusing it, you know, in such a way, right? Like it'd be great if you see it in uh, and somebody gets smacked in, in, uh, say, basketball or football, say. Um, Nothing's going to happen in those sports. You you know, we're talking about maybe some – non-revenue sports where if that that level of of cheating is going on that that really hurts the sport in in total in my opinion for sure um you know the other effect that it's had um we haven't talked about this a lot has been uh with with post-grads and grad assistantships at this level you have all these kids there that are getting six years of college through you know with their eligibility and so they're they're finishing a master's degree. They're they're getting certificates. They're getting all this grad work done before they even before they finish. And so they're done with their eligibility. And now they're looking for coaching positions. They want to get into, you know, they want staff positions. And uh, you know, everybody's like, oh hey, you know, we got a GA position. Like, ah, I I'm done with school. I already got my master's. Yeah. 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 I've got two degrees. I'm, I'm not trying to be a doctor, coach. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And it's and I think it. Um, I'm wondering what the long term effects of that will be on on the younger coaches, the younger coaches, and the you know the up and coming next generation of 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 young coaches. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we're already at a huge coaching shortage, right? I mean, just in general, if you look officials and coaches, uh, you know, nationwide, whether you're talking about high school athletics. Or, or collegiate, I think there's just a big shortage and a huge need there. And you've got to go find the, that next group of guys who will invest in it. But the money, again, right, that's part of it. I mean, you think of some of these guys as undergrads um, and what schools are offering NIL. It, it really distorts the view of, of what this is, right? Like you get a young man who received X, right? Like a couple, let's just say $200,000 to go compete and to wrestle. And now you go into a profession and you want a coach and let's say, you know, and very few positions pay huge, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just say, Hey, you're going to make, you know, between 50 and 60 a year to start to coach. And that's, that's good money, but they're looking at you like, what? Like, wow, yeah. I'm taking a huge pay cut here. Right. Like it distorts what this really is, what that journey is, you know? And, um, Oh, we're going to actually, we're you, you're going to have to work for your money. We're not just going to hand it to you. In a yeah, think about that. You're think used to that. getting paid and all you had to do was, you know, lift in the morning, mm-hmm. show up and practice in the afternoon. The next day, maybe you drill, you know, morning, you come back. So your life was training and deservedly. So like, you got to be selfish when you're trying to, you know, make, you know, reach world and Olympic medals, but now it's coach and you got to be there all day and you're going to coach all day, every kid doing all those individuals or all those workouts, be there again in the afternoon to run practice. And then at night when you go home, start making recruiting calls, right? Oh, and you know, the kid go to class. That, I mean, it's, it's not easy boys, right? I mean, we live, like we talk about it all day that there's just no break and, and I love it, but you got to be in for that. Right. And it's a different, it's a different gig. And, and like I said, I'm interested to see where this next generation of, of coaches and officials come from and how they view that. It's going to be interesting uh, for sure. So uh, we take off Thursday to head out to, to Sin City. Um, we'll get registered, get everybody checked in and ready to go on Friday. And then uh, action kicks off on Saturday, Flow Wrestling streaming the whole event. 
So, uh, you know, keep an eye on the Twitter accounts and Instagram and whatnot to see uh, Matt assignments and matchups and so on and so forth. Yeah, it'll be busy, uh, just the way we like it. Like I said, between coaching our own guys and and watching all those good U17 kids, uh, you know, we, we got plenty enough to keep us running from mat to mat. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, Corey, are you? I mean, th- this was this is the one you wanted to go after, so I'm. Not, <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm well, you, when I brought it up, and you're like, "Oh, uh, me and Tony disagree on this," and so if you want to see us to go, you know, throw down, and that's when you yeah. got me. That's what clinched it. Um, the Twitter sphere was on fire last week with uh, with the the proposed rules changes, the potential for rules changes in in collegiate wrestling. And uh, I know there's a process and there's a vetting process, and it's all it's all very preliminary right now. But uh, uh, first of all, coach, the the layout for us, the 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 handful of rules changes that were discussed or that are being discussed. Yeah, no. So the the most impactful ones, in my opinion, right? You, the the takedown going from two points to to three points, um, eliminating. Uh, riding time unless you turn, you know what I mean? Um, that, that was another, that was another big one. Um, they tried to really, uh, add a, uh, uh, three point near fall back in, right? We had the two and we've right. had the four and they thought, okay, if, if a two count is two, a three count should be three and a four count should be four. So now you have the, the, the added near fall, uh, as well. Um, they also tweaked the, uh, riding the ankle. Uh, giving a count, trying to increase activity so guys couldn't just sit back on the ankle and and uh, slow the pace of wrestling down. So if you look like in totality of the rules, they're trying to increase action and scoring, right. right? And at the same time, disincentivize just riding a guy out just to collect riding time, right? Now you got to turn to collect riding time, you, the count on the ankle, right? So all of these things in total – looking to create more action, maybe even increase scoring. I will say, um, since they didn't deal with it, I, I wanted to see them deal with the edge rules as well. They yeah. chose to stay away from that. Okay. And maybe they just thought, hey, this is you know aggressive enough and we don't want to really tackle the edge yet too. So uh, I, I thought, you know, uh, overall, um, those were pretty aggressive rule changes Yeah, uh, for me. And I think a lot of people agreed they were, they were aggressive. And now where Tanner and I part, and I'll just throw it out, is I am generally in favor for a lot of these. And just for this, I think, um, you know, I didn't like where the sport was going in terms of um, just hanging on to ride, no attempt to turn or really create action or improve. It was just about, you know, collecting that riding time or getting into the double OT and riding a guy for 30 or winning by one yeah. second longer. And I, and I do think that hurts the sport. So I'm not going to tell you, I think every one of these is going to do what it's designed to do. That's my, my disclaimer, but I applaud the, that group of people who propose these changes in terms of taking a big swing at doing something to, to, you know, create uh, you know, action within the sport. I, I do applaud them for that, and I I'm interested to see where this is going to go. It may not it may not do what they want it to do, but uh, but I think they took a, a strong stance in trying to get there. I definitely where Tony and I definitely agree on this subject is we def I, I agree with him as far as um, I appreciate the intent. 
I appreciate like I agree with him on 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 the problems that we're facing and the the whole idea of of you know guys just hanging on to gaming riding time and you know they drop the ankle for a four count and they go back mm-hmm. up and then they drop the ankle again and and uh I think that there is a lot of that holding on and so on and so forth and so um I appreciate the intent of what you know they think that these rule changes uh will do um I I look at it from a fan's perspective and the fact that you know th- these are the arguments I made to Tony he got mad at me the other day but like, <laughs> when was the last time they changed the value of a basket in basketball uh 1987 well no and they and that was that was the addition of a scoring yeah they right 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 that wasn't a changing the value of the bucket last time they changed the value of a touchdown uh probably never okay uh what about uh what about a run in baseball when was the last time they changed the value of a, of a run yeah it's always been one i feel like changing the points and changing the structure of the sport is confusing and i think it hurts the casual fan that's my opinion that's my stance that's where i'm gonna dig my heels in on this i feel (laughs) like there are things in the sport that are hard enough for somebody to walk in off the street and understand and so you know let's say somebody started being a casual fan last year and they come back in this year and they're like wait a minute that's i thought that was two points why why isn't that two why is that three and then you start getting the confusion. And I think Tony agrees with me on this one. Um, I don't like the three count swipe because all of a sudden you've got this like great. I love the separation between two and four. Yeah. It's either two or it's four. If you start muddying the water in between, I think you open yourself up to a whole load of argument over. Was that two swipes? Was that three swipes? Was it two and a half? Was it three? Was it four? Yeah. Were, um, were, were they late on the first swipe? So it only got to two and it should have been three. Or I think yeah. it was real muddy real fast. Um, one thing I will I will say is at least these changes are black and white. You know, a takedown is a takedown. It's just whether or not you're getting two or three. Um, the, the no riding time unless you get a turn. Whether you like it or not, it's it's clear cut. It's not like you said, Tony. The edge rules that they put in a few years ago, and they yep. left so much gray area on that. It looks like a color scale. Like yeah. it's, it's just it's wild, and and there still hasn't been clarification on that. Um, you see it called sometimes two different ways in the same duel, uh, you know. But but yep. I, I do I like that you both agree. You know, adding to offense getting more aggression is a good yep. thing and and i mean this has been a problem for a while or a growing problem for a while but that penn state iowa duel earlier this year it, if there's an inciting incident it it might have been that night where you know a huge crowd was watching on on national tv and let's call it what it is they saw a boring wrestling duel oh yeah you have to be a true fan of the sport to to really appreciate and and that's that's yep. bad for casual viewers. Yeah, for sure. Like in a huge. So you think about a couple of huge events that we've had, right? Clearly, take a, a Penn State Iowa. That's a big deal, right? They're going to draw really well. That's a large yep. audience. And again, when you're reduced to one one in riding time and guys just getting them out of bounds, dropping down to the leg, collecting the riding time, and now I win on a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Fans don't want to see that. Fans do want to see aggression and scoring. And so that's why I applaud them for that. The other point I would say here, too, 
is that the the officials have a part in this. Okay, and I feel and I and I've told people this for a long time. You know, traditional stalling has gone away, and yeah. so if you take these rules and then you give you know and then the officials get after guys and do um, start calling stalling just from a traditional standpoint, not when a guy's hugging an ankle, not when a guy just drops down. Any guy, any official can understand a rule book, right? Mm -hmm. It's understanding what's going on. Is he stalling? Is he not trying to score? Is he not carrying action? If they would get involved, because I can remember, you know, when I was competing in both in high school and early on in my college career, those guys were throwing the fist up often to get people wrestling. I think there is a responsibility still on officials to call traditional stalling. Otherwise, these rules won't have the effect we want. And and one example I'll use is – three point takedown, right? You know, if, if the officials don't keep guys active, you're going to see guys go out, get a takedown. It's going to be, you know, three, one after that. And they're going to maybe go run hide. Mm-hmm. They're going to run, you know, mm-hmm. hide and stay in the center of the map, but they're not going to do anything because you can't beat them anymore with a ride out with riding time, right? You either got to turn them or, you know, you guys got to take you down. So I don't know, depending on how the officials deal with this, if it's going to be good or bad, right? I could make cases both ways. And so I understand why people are heated on, on both sides, but that's why I say, Hey, take the rules and, and, and officials, man, let's get in there and make guys wrestle. And if they do that, I think this is a positive thing. I think uh, wrestling will be in a better spot. And then to rebut Tanner um, on this, people have always changed rules. I get, you can say, Hey, they don't change scoring, but man, You've got you've got people changing rules all the time. The NFL and basketball have constantly changed things. So you have to be willing to try to do things. I'm not saying all changes have been great, but they moved the extra point back, you know, you know, uh, in terms of football that you created the three point shot. You have the shot clock. You know, you're starting runners on second base. Now you got a pitch clock. Like, I think you have to be willing to tweak things to grow your sport. And again, I think it's worth the risk uh to do that so that's now again there's two things here you got the rule changes and me i think you got to have the officials uh hey we're going to promote action we're going to force guys to wrestle each other because if you do that man kids are good they'll figure it out if they know hey i'm going to get called if i sit back too much they'll start wrestling it'll happen just like they figured out now how to how to game the system right now okay i can I can sink my legs. I can not really do anything. I can ride parallel. If it looks like I'm trying something, they're going to let me ride it out. Does the three-point takedown, let's let's go out on a limb here and say, because I agree with you about the officiating. The officiating yeah. has to, the, there has to be a change to match the rules, right? Yeah. Um, is Do you find any concern that they don't change the way they're calling stalling and now – a three-point takedown encourages stalling even more because you can hit them three times. Now you hit them twice and it it negates it, right? Because there's that one-point spread. Now you yeah. got to hit them three times to negate that takedown spread. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? I mean, you can say um, you're tied, right? You, at least you, if you if if you give up a point, you're tied, right? Assuming like you get out twice and. Um, you know, are you good on top? Are you still that guy who, because wrestling still, I agree, should be about three positions, right? It should be bottom and top and your feet. Um, and so I don't think because of the near fall, you're going to lose people, you know, on those skill sets, right? So, you know, is he going to go down? 
If he doesn't, you know, it's 3-2, and then there's the stall call, gets you to 3-3, but he can't beat you. Like, what what would frustrate me sometimes is um, you take a kid down one time, you were the only one maybe taking a risk. Um, the other guy just he, – he could essentially get out twice, um, you know what I mean, get riding time, you know what I mean? Yep. And you can find yourself beat. So Could, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's that seeing that is one of the more frustrating things in wrestling to see, you know, <clears throat> a kid who can't score that can still win the match. That, yeah. Yeah. That Somebody seven or eight times. And, and yep. yeah. we should reward risk. Right. Like, and that's the thing in freestyle, right. Where they do, they reward attempts, risk. Like that's where I throw it back to the officials a little bit. Let's reward risk. You know, let's do that. Let's reward uh, attempts and scoring then. Another That's thing, where I land another, in favor of it. Another oh, thing where the, the officials can have some some effect, and we see it some now, is if you've got an official that's that's quick with the stalemate call. Like, okay, maybe you're not stalling, but you're not going anywhere. You're not doing yeah. anything with this. Let's restart. Yeah. And that, again, that was a, a big point of contention with me last year's it seemed like a leg riding. If you, if a guy got a leg in and you got a guy flat, like improving there was, was going to be difficult, right? The guy was content to keep pressure over your hips and just collect riding time. Those stalemates and a restart didn't come fast enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's you, you had to avoid the position altogether um, to, to not have the whole period disappear on you. And in my opinion, I don't think that's good for the sport. You know, some people might say, hey, man, top riding, shouldn't let the leg in, shouldn't let your stuff get flat. But again, we're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to grow an audience too, right? So part of this is you want a your casual people to be able to come and attract new fans. As mm -hmm. our fan base ages, you know, you want newer and younger people to, to come and understand what's going on and pick up the sport. And I think lack of action will hurt you. I think that's where every sport lands, right? Like we got to keep this moving and keep action going because lack of action hurts uh, your fan base. I uh, There's a couple data points that I think would be interesting to know as we look at all this stuff as far as, um, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, Tony. Um, I would love to, I would love to know how much the three point takedown would change the current scoring culture like what yep. how many matches would have a different outcome at nationals let's say yep if they you know if they went back and rescored that bracket how many how many matches would change um the other one i would love to see is um i'd love to see some I, i'd love to see that the nationals rescored with these writing time rules i would love to see how it would change things where you know uh you gotta you know how many how many matches were their back points scored in you know, how many, how many times were, did, did guys turn as opposed to just, you know, riding an ankle or riding hips? Um, because, you know, the, the, the old communications nerd in me, the, the, the stat nerd in me wants to know, like, I want, I want to see the numbers. I want to see the contrast. I want to know, like, is this going to change a lot of things or is, or is this just going to, because if, if it's not going to change the outcome of the matches and it's only going to increase scoring, I like it. Mm -hmm. If it starts changing match outcomes wholesale based on one thing or another, I think it gives me, it, it just makes me have a lot more questions. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the interesting thing here, and again, we can go down this rabbit hole forever. I get that, but they still addressed uh, to me a couple sides of the equation where 
they increased the value on the feet, right? So, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to reward you more mm-hmm. for, a, for a takedown. So that was good. But then you still have the near fall piece address. Like there's more ways. If you look at this way to get near fall, you can get the two, the three, and the four. If, the, if that goes through, I'm not a sold on the three either, by the way. I think that the, 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 the margin between two and three could create a lot of confusion. Like when you say clear it up for the fans, they're going to be wondering, did he get two? Did he get three? Was it clear, you know, when there's a lot of action? So I don't know if that clears anything up. There could be confusion there. But they tried to deal both sides of the equation, reward people who turn um, and reward people who, who are good on their feet. You know what I mean? And at the same time, take out – where we're saying we're not getting enough out of just the riding that that's slowing it down to an extent that, that it's hurting us. So I, I thought they tried the intent was in, in the right ways. Now we're going to see where it goes. I don't know if, you know, you, you try to think of all the possible scenarios. And again, does three point make a guy get one takedown and, and sit in the center of the mat and do nothing? Or is it going to help incentivize like, Hey man, I take a guy down a couple times, you know, I'm in a great spot. You know, does that increase action, the attack rate, if you will? You know, are we going to see a higher attack rate or are we going to see a lower attack rate because it's takedown and, and sit and hold? Love to see more first period takedowns. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's never a bad thing. That's never a bad thing. You, you, you know, you see the whole idea of the 1-1 one, one match that's decided by riding time or decided in overtime or however that goes, I, I think that that's – Corey said, I think that the diehards that understand a lot of the hand fighting and the positioning and stuff like that, which by the way, is not me. I don't still don't really get all that. Um, <laughs> like, you know, they can watch a match that's tight and and really love it and enjoy it and so on and so forth. But I think the casual fan that just stands out there and watches two guys hand fight for seven minutes are kind of bored. And so if it, if it reduces that, if it gets rid of that, okay, I'm on board yeah. And I, and I guess I'm the guy, like, man, I, I appreciate action, right? I, I would love to see, uh, you know, an official calling people for stalling because now it forces the other guy to get going, like engage. Like it just, it, when it slows down to a point that we're one, one, and one guy's clearly just trying to nickel and dime the guy to not get called for stalling and then collect one Oh one and riding time to win, mm-hmm. man. I, I just think that hurts us. You know, I think, you know, you want people who are out there to let it fly and, and go score and, and, and get after it. So I, I'm all in favor of that personally. Uh, and, and I do appreciate some of the technical aspects, you know, on Matt and some of those nuances, but I think that could hurt us, right? You got to think beyond as a coach personally, you know, in this situation, it's not just as a coach, what do I value? You know what I mean? Like, man, I might get hurt with these rules, right? If, if you got some guys who can't score on their feet or you, you know, whatever, you, you might get hurt, but what helps grow the sport? What is positive for that? And I'm all for that. You know, whatever takes this in a, in a in a positive direction, I'm all for. So where does it stand now? Are these are these rules going to be implemented? Are they still up for discussion? Are they still being reviewed? They're there. Uh, so it, it got through the first. Um, I don't know if level would be right. First committee, okay. and now they're going to be reviewed to be approved or you know, okay. you know, not allowed. I guess. And then it's a two year. I do know it's a two year. Uh, cycle right on all on all rules so if this goes through you got to live with them for two years to see how they go okay so a future topic for a future show like you said we could go round and round but i feel like yeah we get into the summer a little bit and then and if these if this really if these all go through then boy we can have another show yep on just this <laughs> just this 
That sounds good. I, I think we're going to leave this and everything else here for today. Uh, good luck out in Vegas. Can't wait to see how that all shakes out. And uh, uh, we'll get together afterwards and, and talk about results. We still got to get Maddie Ramos on and uh, Parker Phileas before he gets too far yes. away from campus. Maddie's, so, uh, a, Maddie's a busy man. That man's phone doesn't stop ringing. Good. Yeah. Right, as it should be. Yep. Uh, hey, before we go, I got to give a shout out uh, to our, our good friend of the show, Kelly. Uh, I just want, I wanted to know that we did, we got the card and we got the check. So all of you out, listeners out there, the diehards like Kelly, appreciate it. Uh, and uh, man, keep listening. Uh, enjoy, enjoy that stuff. Made me laugh, made my day. I read the card. Uh, to Tanner. Uh, Corey, have you seen it? I've not seen you. So I, I'll, I'll be over after the show to, to take a look. So Kelly, appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you later. It's beautiful. Thanks guys. Uh, we'll see you down the road. Travel safe. Boiler up.